tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Oh, yeah! Welcome back! Ah. <laughs> Did that fire you up? Yeah, it fires me up every time. <laughs> kidding me? I mean, first that after buzz music, and then it kind of goes right into this. It's, I, I, I usually come with the super low energy just to kind of balance it out, you know? <laughs> you know, just to really come in all firing like this. But So, cool. top, okay, let, let's let's start off with this. Uh, that's Mike Conley. I'm Bobby Demura. If you don't know us by now, you're watching the wrong show on the wrong week because it's the last week of this season. This is it. This uh, is another edition of Red Sox Wrap 360, your weekly rudderless discussion of all things Red Sox. Let's go rudderless first. Yes. Best, you're, you're a Boston native. I, uh, I'm i no longer allowed in this city. Wow. Um, that's a long story for another time. I guess so. What's your best Boston movie? Boondock Saints, Goodwill Hunting, uh, I don't know what else there is. What's your best Boston Friends movie? Friends of Eddie Coyle. Rounders? Was Rounders set in Boston or New York? That was New York. Uh, okay. was New York. That's know. a great movie, though. Well, one of Boston's favorite sons, Matt Damon, obviously, yeah. you know. I mean, I guess I'm a little partial to Goodwill Hunting just because at that time and the age I was, and, uh, you know, it really kind of opened up a lot of worlds for me with, you know, smart women going <laughs> slumming for dudes in Boston, you know? I think we talked about that before now that I think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's very nice. More very power nice. to you, man. Hey, man. You should check it out. It's a pretty good flick. I've I've seen it once or twice. Have you? Yeah. All right. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> but uh, tis the end of baseball season. A sad, sad day. Our, uh, all our, the games are in the books. You know, they all started at noon today, or 12-10. That's or, a good thing. Uh, it was a good thing. I like that. Just Except for the, the Cardinals had to play a doubleheader. Cardinals and Braves started earlier and then played the 12-10 right. game. Uh, I like that a lot because last year, I know it's a small thing, but was it last year or two years ago that the Cardinals, and I think it was the Cardinals and the Pirates, were playing and the Pirates won or the Pirates lost. I don't remember what happened. But the Cardinals were starting a game, you know, two hours later, and the Pirates lose. And the Cardinals, ten minutes before their game, run down and say, hey, Adam Wainwright, you're not starting anymore. We're starting this minor leaguer. Right. Not the biggest deal in the grand scheme of things, but, like, you want to give the fans a good product. You want to you want to leave some mystery there for Absolutely. some teams. Absolutely. It's like, uh, it's like day one of uh, NCAA basketball tournament when everybody's playing at once and you're flipping between games and you're like, what the hell is going on? The Rangers and Angels and Astros yeah. and all that today. I want to so. say that was two years ago. Was it? But did they do this last year? All the games started at the same time? Or no? I this don't is the first remember. Year? This is the first year? It's, it's, it hadn't been long. If this isn't the first year, it had to have been last year. Mm. Uh, but I'm glad that they did it. It, it heightens the intensity, I guess. Because you can scoreboard watch. Like, you can take a chance, you know. But if a team, we saw it in the Giants-Rockies game today. If the Giants were playing to go into the playoffs and you see oh they're up 3 nothing in the ninth. let's take it easy well they give up 7 runs in the ninth. now their game didn't matter but what if it did you know right, so right. that's the challenge of watching the scoreboard during your game which I kind of like yeah 
two teams that weren't playing to get into the uh, playoffs today were the Ooh. Red Sox and the Cleveland Indians. And the Sox go down uh, three to one to Cleveland, and uh, you know they lose four in a row to finish the season. That's but, bad, you know. Uh, week, I'm okay with the week only because they took three out of four from New York, so that's you know gotta feel good. Let me say this though: the other thing about this week that I liked, Rick Porcello threw the ball a lot better, got his ERA under five. There we that go. Was huge. He's down to like four point nine seven on the season. You think that's Woo. a small thing, but like when you're like going down end of the year stats and you're just kind of like glancing down that ERA column, you really you look for the guys that have a first uh, number two, and you're like, wow, that guy had a good season. And then you kind of just scan through the threes and fours, and you look at the guys that have a five, and you're like, boom, that guy had a horrible season. It's The numbers matter to players more than they'll admit, and they don't matter in the moment at all. They're worried about winning. They don't care. Mm-hmm. But it matters to them, and it really matters to pitchers and how they look. It matters to them after the season the I'm going to use a Rockies example. Oh, I got to do it. Oh, DJ LeMahieu was hitting 302 going into this weekend in San Francisco. Sat him. They sat him Friday. Oh. On Saturday, he gets a single. He gets a couple more at bats. He's guaranteed to hit over 300. They sat him again today. Now you're saying, well, it doesn't matter. Rockies are going nowhere. To him, in 20 years, hitting 300 in 650 plate appearances is really going to matter. Like that's these are the right moves. Getting Porcello is risky to have Porcello throw. Getting him under five, it's not a milestone. It's not something to be proud of. But 4.97 is so much different than 5.1. I'm sorry, it is. There's a difference for him. There's a difference for the team. Porcello finishes with two pretty good starts to end the year. And I'm I'm not high on him for 2016, mm. but I'm a little bit less low. Let's put it that way. Really, I like DL yeah. Lemayu. I think you he's like what? Be good. DL Lemayu. I think he's Lemayu. Oh, Lemayu. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he will be good. Um, he'll 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 look good in another. <laughs> I'm teasing you. In another uniform next I know year. You were talking about Porcello. But Porcello, I'm telling you, I like him a little bit more next year. I mean, he's he's nine and fifteen was not good. A four point nine seven is not good, but it's better than it could have been. He finished strong. It's true, and he did finish strong. And so maybe there is something to that triceps injury. I know we were kind of dismissing it at the time and just being like, oh, my, myself especially, like, oh, is that a tricep injury or is that just poor pitching? Phantom you know, DL. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Phantom DL. But maybe there was something to it because he has looked much better. And, um, you know, coming back, and everybody knows the phrase Manny being Manny, but uh, the lesser known one, Rick Porcello being Rick Porcello, that's keeping <laughs> the ball down, getting ground balls, and that's kind of what he has been doing since he's been back off that DL stint. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come because I don't really think we can get rid of his contract. No, no. no. So especially he, especially not with the year he had. Yeah. That's selling really low. That's going to be selling low. Unless you just look at the framework in the past, you know, six weeks. Yeah, I'm sure know? that's what a team will do. They'll just look at six weeks and not years of, you know, good or bad. I think they will do that. And they'll <laughs> go and try and buy low. It's like, hey, we'll take Rick Porcello off your hands. You pay 85% of his contract. Would no you problem. do that, though? Because 85% is a lot of money. I know the Red Sox aren't the Royals and they can absorb this better, but. I, I'm not a big fan of doing that. You know, because yeah. then you, you like we've touched upon this in the past. You get Bobby Bonilla contracts and what have you, but you know, and I, I talk to people all the time. You know, Boston uh, GMs and what have you, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's not your money. What do you care? You know, just have me it." But it's just bad business because that's money that can't go into the product elsewhere. You know, yeah. I mean, I know, I know John Henry's rich, and you know, there's no end to the money, but. You know, there's an end eventually to the money. But. And I know there's no salary cap in baseball, but every team has a private, unreleased salary cap that they are not willing to go over unless 
you know, Giancarlo Stanton became available, unless mm-hmm. Bryce Harper became available. Uh, short of a guy like that, there are limits for every one of these teams. And John Henry has said privately to his front office, this is the number or this is the range, and you cannot go over this except for these circumstances. Trading away Rick Porcello is probably not one of those <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Um, but- especially, especially... Ten months, nine months after you take on these contracts with Hanley and Pablo, yeah, yeah. You're, you can't do it again. If no. you're going to do anything, you have to shed a ton of money, which we can talk about later. Yeah, but like we've talked about to a blue in the face, the blue boy dodges don't come along ever so often willing to take a quarter billion dollars in payroll. So. Do you think there's – who's the next Dodgers? I mean, the Yankees used to spend. The Yankees still have the ability to. Right. The Dodgers spend like crazy. Who's the next team to do that? Well, I kind of think you're seeing the Cubs turn into maybe yeah. that team with the pickup of Lester last year. I think they're going to go hot after uh, Price, so that'll be a bunch of money to them too. Uh, they're going to have to open up the purse strings to get Arietta signed. Yeah, you know. So, I think the other one, and they're going to have a couple guys in the next couple of years come up to make a lot of money, like Chris Bryant. They're going to try to probably mm-hmm. buy out his arbitration in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, the other one is the Nationals. I think with what happened to the Nationals this year, with Bryce Harper nearing free agency and all that, they're going to spend a ton of money and do whatever it takes to keep Bryce Harper. Do whatever it takes to get everybody around him. Um, we were talking about they're this. They're already spending, I mean. Oh, for sure. And the, but that's what I'm sure saying. If they're already spending what they're spending, I think they're going to go to the next level and say we cannot have an embarrassing season like we did in 2015. You know, new manager, Matt Williams is certainly probably done. New manager, all this stuff, and they are going to go all in for it. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We shall see. We say, let's get back to the Red Sox. I, I just I wanted, to talk Red about, Sox I wanted to talk about Red Sox. You want to talk about? I wanted to talk about Bryce Harper's five hundred million dollar contract. The guy's going to get half a billion dollars, legitimately. Did you want to talk about Pablo Montt choking him out, or did you? Want to <laughs> that was a hilarious video, by the way. That was that was. Did we talk about this last week? We you asked me if I had seen it, and I hadn't oh seen it, okay, I, so you've seen it now. Sorry, I okay, sorry. but um, and you know, after seeing that video, you know what I instantly thought. Hmm. Tory Lovello to the Nationals as manager next season. But good news for Red Sox fans is he was retained in a uh, odd two-year deal for a bench coach to lock him up. So he said all the right things. You know, he's just I, – I don't know this guy personally, but he seems from his interviews like a really genuinely nice guy. Yeah. You know, him and – he's talking about how his, um, you know, friendship with John Farrell is, you know, got even better than this time, and he wants to see him through. He doesn't want to leave John Farrell hanging. I think that's fantastic because Farrell's still under contract for next year as well, and they're bringing back the entire – uh, pitching, uh, excuse me, coaching staff, excuse me, except for Ani Bela. You, uh, you know, I mean, listen, I think maybe too, he'll though, go over to uh, the Rangers and reunite with Mike Napoli, and they can do their helmet headbutts when uh, Napoli gets singles again. Yeah, any any Napoli like reun- reuniting with with Boston's a disaster. Hey, um, he's going to be in the playoffs. Hey, I was going to say the Rangers are in, and and Boston isn't. So hey, uh, he's doing something right. God bless Tori Lavello if he comes back and whatever and. You know, talk about a sell high guy. Oh, he's back, baby. Um, you know, don't I wouldn't begrudge him if he got a managerial job. Even after signing a two year bench deal, bench coach deal, if you if they let him interview with managerial positions for any team and he goes, I'd be really happy for him. The goal for these guys is a managerial role. Right. You right. know, it's just like a player. You want to be in the big leagues. You don't want to stick with a team that you're loyal to to be in triple A and maybe you come up a little bit. You want the big deal, you want the big leagues. No question. And you know, I'm not gonna be 
that's not a word. Begrudge. Be, begrudge, thank you. Um, <laughs> like anybody, their ambition to get to the height of their profession and all that stuff. I mean, clearly, we are at the apex of ours right now. But, um, you know, I was just excited to hear a more human side of things that that's on the back burner and he wanted to see his friend through this time of transition. Because, yeah. you know, uh, Farrell finished up his uh, chemotherapy. Our boy John, way to good after it. And um, they say the, the time is going to be three to six months to get, you know, fully rehabbed and stuff. So if it's three, that's great, you know, no problem, all set, all on schedule for next season. But if it's closer to six, then we're into the new season. So to have that continuity in a skipper, you know, even if it was just on the interim basis, I think is important, you know, because a lot of learning and a lot of, like, team building is done in those spring months, you know. And yeah. especially with coming off the momentum of this season, you know, um, you don't want to lose any of that, you know. So, especially with how well we played in the past, not the past four games, but the past, uh, you know, seven weeks, shall we say. It's been better than I expected it. Let's mm -hmm. just say that. Two games better, <laughs> right? So you, you said 76 games, and I said 87. And then and finished with 78 wins. Days, that's right. 78. So you did pretty good there. You had to be sweating it, though. When they took the first three in the Bronx, well, for the halfway title, yeah, for like know. the for like the break even, well, the break even. But you yes, told yes. me about seven weeks ago, you felt as though this Bo Sox team was yes. going to win eighty seven games. I mean, it was a little bit of an outlandish prediction, you know, <laughs> a little just, bit, just to try and like. I mean, they would have had it. I think at that time go like forty five and twenty five. I think at the time I made the prediction, so you know, it was a little bit outlandish, but I was just trying to put that heat on the boys. And I really think, you know, because I know all of them listen to this, especially the young guys. They love this, uh, you know, <laughs> new form of uh, media, you know, the interweb and what have you. And uh, you can tweet him, by the way, uh, during the show if you want to have this rudderless discussion going another way. Where can they reach you? Uh, yeah, do it. Tweet me at Bobby DeMuro. Happy uh, Bobby DeMuro. I love sure. it. I do, you know, I do get tweets You're about You're going to get a tweet from Mookie's, you know, tweet in. I do get tweets about this show. I get more tweets about our Dodgers rap. Come Sorry on. to say, man, people love a winner. Wow. I think it's also the lead host on the Dodger Reps, a good dude. Uh, it is more of the Red Sox fans are old school, you know. They remember a time where, you know, <laughs> a guy was hitting over 400 and his manager told him, hey, you know, why don't we sit you out today, uh, Teddy Ball game, and so you can keep that 400 pit. And he didn't pull a DL to Mayo. He went out there and he went. Three for five or four for six. Did you call him D.L. LeMayhew? Is that what his name is? It's D.J. He's not D.L. Hughley. That's who I got him <laughs> conflicted with. You so, cannot okay. pick two people more opposite. <laughs> D.J. LeMayhew and D.L. Hughley. Um, you know? You just, I mean, you really got to work for that. You're supposed <laughs> to be coaching me up on this pop culture, you know? I mean, I've, you know, my poor performance is a lack in yours, you know? Say, listen, contextualize and and stomach that however you need to do so. Okay. The truth is, <sighs> D.L. Uli's playing second for the Rockies. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> the truth is, this show has completely lost its uh, focus. Yeah, without um, question. <laughs> so, just uh, to quick brief overview, blasting through that uh, Bronx uh, series. It was awesome that they took three out of four from. Obviously, I was hoping for the sweep to keep the heat on you. We could have. You know, I could have won our bet, but uh, it didn't happen. But Well, to keep the heat on the Yankees, too, the Yankees didn't clinch home field until what, today? Or yesterday? They right. got home field advantage now in the wild card, yeah. but it was dicey for the it week. It was dicey. And I was bummed. I was like, I know I was originally saying that, uh, you know, I hope they don't clinch anything when we were there. You know, the Bo Sox will beat them out. But 
I think, you know, as far as like this last two or three months of the season being a prep season for, you know, next year and going into the future with all these young kids, it was kind of good that the Yanks actually clinched that night, clinched the playoff spot in that last game because they could see that, you know, have a little taste of this. And I love seeing after the game, Xander Bogarts, our new leader, absolute stud, he was there taking it all in, you know, arms on the dugout, just, like, watching them celebrate and, you know, hopefully putting it in that pit in the stomach that, like, I don't want to ever witness this again. I want it to be us uh, celebrating. And I think that's great, and it's great for the kids to get that sour taste in their mouth going into next year and uh, in their future with the Red Sox. So I was stoked. I hope they all stayed out there. I wouldn't want to have Luvello say, hey, let's all stay out here and eat this. But, you know, it would have been nice if, if they all hung around. It would have been nice if Xander said that. Hey, let's stay out here, young guys, and eat this. But he is 23 now, by the way. Ooh. So he's a wily veteran. So he's got three, three, four years until his prime. Think about that. Assuming you know, weird things, injuries or whatever, don't happen. Yeah. Your prime now, they're fine. And most of these guys are hitting their prime at about 26, 27, 28. Right. So... I'm excited. It's a fun time. Because, you know, you can kind of see the power coming along here and just in the last month of the season, him popping a few out, you know, and it's like, so next year he's going to be in that 15 to 20 range and hopefully he can still maintain that over 300 batting average and the guy's going to be a monster. And what's really been exciting this year is uh, his improvement on defense has been extraordinary as well. And obviously that doesn't get as much uh, hullabaloo as uh, offensive numbers, but... Man, it's been great. It's been great. And so the future is bright for this team going forward, no question. So hopefully uh, Dave Dombrowski doesn't blow it up. But uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and uh, what was great in that series, Rodriguez started us off right, Erod, with the win in that game one. Mm -hmm. uh, it was great to him in the Bronx. Six innings pitched, only allowing one run, striking out five on seven hits. Uh, obviously, Shaw bombs again. I love this kid, three for four. Kid's doing unbelievable. And then bets, a couple doubles, you know, I just, I just love this young team. And, you know, I know I say it all the time that March 2016 can't get here fast enough, but it truly can't. It truly can't. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so they won that one, and then they, uh, oh, they won the next one. Porcello got a win, even though maybe he didn't deserve it. 8Ks over 8Ks pitch, which was nice, but he did allow four own runs. Blake Swihart with two bombs in that, another kid I love. You know, it's just, oh, man, I, I don't think I can say enough about this young team. You <laughs> that know? was that, that Tuesday game was that weird game where they scored 10 runs in the first inning combined. Right. Uh, weird. But but kind of settled down. Credit to Porcello, he settled down. He didn't allow anything after the first. That's true. So That is good to see. And, and you good. know, and for Porcello, too, credit to him. You come out in the first inning, you have a six-run spot before you ever take the mound, and he comes out and allows four runs. You say, well, that's dumb. Well, what's he doing? He's throwing strikes. You have a six-run lead. You right. get hit around a little bit. Stuff happens. Then you bear down. It wasn't walking people. You walked one guy all night in that game. Yeah. So you bear down after you start getting hit and say, okay, now it's a game. I regret that we made it a game, but at least you're not out here nitpicking the corners. At least you're challenging people. Now you've challenged them, they're hitting you, make good pitches. And he did it for the next seven innings. Yeah. So I was yeah, that was actually a good start. I kind of discounted him on the numbers, but uh he did settle down. I love that. And that's such a great thing to show these young guys on how to do that, you know, and uh this growing process cannot be, you know, it um undervalued. You know, yeah. it's it's, it's going to be great for them next year, and uh, really, hopefully, they're going to hit the ground running. So, 
Some things I'm a little bit alarmed about, and you know how I've been loving the defense of this outfield, and that outfield defense is something that uh, we've always underestimated as a Red Sox nation, but no longer. We see the success (laughs) of, like, a Royals team. We see the success of a Pittsburgh Pirates team. You see the success of all these teams, and they have – good outfield defense. So while I like the outfield defense, it's all it's turned around now where, you know, Rusni Castillo can't hit a breaking ball. You know, he basically hasn't hit one for the past month. And uh, you know, teams are starting to get that book on him and just throwing it. So I would like a little insurance in that outfield. So I don't know who that is gonna be and what person. Maybe it's an Alejandro Diaz. Well I was gonna say you had it with Alejandro Diaz. We did. And then trade him at the trade deadline or near the trade deadline or whatever to a team that was in it at that point that didn't make it in mm-hmm. San Francisco. Um, but I think that probably exposed Rusney a little bit. Yeah. And what are you playing for? You're playing for nothing the rest of the year, so that's fine. Expose him, see what he's got, see what JBJ has, exactly. which we are in complete disagreement about. But right. see what these guys have without the safety net. Now, next year, if you take this seriously, go get another safety net. Right. And if Rusney kills it, let him kill it, and come July 31 next year... Trade the safety net. Exactly. You know, if he, exactly. if he can prove it for the next four months. But now, I think that Alejandro Diaz, there's going to be a ton of, there's always a ton of fourth outfielders, fifth outfielders. One that I'm interested in, I don't know his contract situation, but it just made me think, because we've seen him recently, yeah. Justin Ruggiano. Yeah. A guy like that who who maybe had an underrated year this year or got really hot late. Ruggiano did with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Hey, if he's, take a flyer on him next year. You know? Yeah, I mean, playing versus lefties. And uh, I like having, uh, yeah, just that insurance because even though we disagree on Jackie Bradley, I know he could throw up a clunker and, you know, go throw up an over 20, you know. I, yeah. I realize that. But if the guy's playing gold glove caliber center field or right field or wherever you got him playing and he can hit 240, 250 out of the nine hole, that's something we're going to stomach. Now, if he's hitting 200, you know, then he's probably a guy that shouldn't get 600 plate appearances. Maybe he's a guy that gets 450, and we got to find someone else, uh, you know, to get in there and do that. But obviously, we're going to see uh, Mookie at 162 next year, and then it would be nice to have that fourth outfield to kind of supplant a little bit of Bradley, a little bit. And who knows? Maybe it's a little uh, Travis Shaw. I was going to say, do you put Travis Shaw in right field or hide him in left a little bit? You probably couldn't probably play him there left. every day. Yeah, certainly not every day. I mean, yeah. we kind of see the that experiment but uh yeah i mean to have brady and uh bradley in the wings as a a little slip up uh bradley in the wings as uh you know kind of a uh, defensive replacement towards the end i'll take three at bats out of travis sure sure i have him him rake in a few runs and then grab some pine but could you have shaw hanley ramirez and david ortiz do a little not a platoon you'd call it but one of two for Shaw and Ramirez plays left. The other one plays first. Ortiz DHs. Maybe occasionally you still put Ortiz at first. Then the other one goes left field, and you have those three covering those three positions. Ortiz is going to predominantly DH, but you're going to yeah. put him at first occasionally. Only when you're in an NL park, he will not play. I uh, yeah, but what happens actually, if you if you're getting Travis Shaw every single day at bats? Does David Ortiz become your safety net for Shaw? Because if Shaw turns out that he can't hack 650 plate appearances himself... That's going to be Hanley. You know? It's going to be Hanley. Do you, do you trust Hanley every day at first base and left field? No. <laughs> He's not going to play any left field. Well, that's what I'm saying. Then, I, try, then, I, I give Shaw maybe 10, 10 or 15 games out there. So you then, so, so you're, you're asking Hanley, with the money they're paying him, to just play first base, a position he's never played before. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel a lot better than him playing left field. 
because that was a circus. Uh, it was. Ran on Baylor out of town. I feel a lot worse about him playing first base. I feel a lot worse about him handling the ball even more in a position he is not accustomed to. I realize he was a shortstop, and That's I correct. realize at times he was a pretty good shortstop when he was younger and more athletic and hadn't been injured as much and wasn't old. Yeah. Um, he's now maybe not, you know, he's limited in where he can play. And I don't know. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. Well, we're going to have to find a spot for him because we're not going to, no one's going to take his contract. Yep. We just talked about how we don't like eating him. So I think if he gets off to a good start, you know, the, his bat can mask the, his defensive flaws. I, it's uh, just after he got ran into the, the, the wall in early May, he couldn't hit after that. Here's the thing you say that about a left fielder? Absolutely. That's of the nine positions, that's the one you can hide somebody the most. Of the infield positions, you can hide somebody at first base the easiest, arguably second base for a middle infielder because mm-hmm. shortstop, you're going to get found out fast. Obviously. Uh, having covered and followed a team every day this year that had a terrible defensive first baseman with the bat to mask it, the bat doesn't mask it. I'm just going to tell you that right now. The bat doesn't mask it. And then you run into this problem where because the bat doesn't mask the defense, I'm talking about Willian Rosario yeah. in Colorado. And he didn't because, hit this year. Well, here's, here's why. Because the bat doesn't mask the defense, because the defense is so atrocious at so many times, you can't play him as much. And when you can't play him as much and he doesn't get consistent at bats, suddenly he doesn't hit the way he should hit. And all of a sudden you're looking at him and Rosario went to AAA. Ramirez, that's not going to happen. But you're like looking at him and say, wait a second, we had this huge power hitter. We, we could have hit him at first base. He would have hit 30 home runs. What the hell happened? Yeah. You know, that's, that's the worst case scenario. I think it's entirely plausible for Hanley Ramirez. Well, that's kind of, you kind of get back into that bad habit uh, that we spoke a little bit about last week of like trying to get that fantasy stud at every position. Yeah. And it's like, this is well, just making the best of a bad situation because we're already in it. I'm with that, but you I'm know? not trying to get a fantasy stud. I'm trying to get yeah. a serviceable dude. Travis Shaw is more than serviceable. Yeah. You know, defensively. Hanley Ramirez, inoffensively, yeah. you know, enough. Yeah. Hanley Ramirez, ugh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I hope that the defense doesn't overcome the poor defense. You know, theoretically, we're assuming it's poor. Maybe it's going to be brilliant. I don't think so. I hope he's never going to touch brilliance defensively. (laughs) I mean, he's he's got to this point in his life. Well, not not worrying about his defense. The the only reason I say that is he played shortstop for so long, right? And and you can't even a very good shortstop. No, he wasn't. But as athletic as you are, and have as many chances as he did at shortstop for good teams. I mean, he played for the Dodgers very recently when they were pretty good. Um. You can't fake that, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying he's one of the best shortstops in the league, but to play shortstop at this level for that long, there's something redeemable within him. Yeah. You know, there's something there you would imagine. I'm hoping it's fantastic lateral quickness <laughs> in first, at first base. That's what I'm hoping it is. Oh, man. You know? Oh, boy. Already too much time spent on hand ramp. <laughs> oh, what are you going to do? I mean, oh. Oh, boy. I'm interested, and they couldn't do this because of Pablo, but I'm interested that they didn't try him at third base first. And they would have never done that with Pablo, but with his injury history recently, age, all that sort of stuff, maybe a less demanding position on the same side of the infield might have been worth a shot. Yeah. Or is that the path for somebody else? Does somebody else say, we'll take a flyer on Hanley at third if you pay X amount of the contract? And again, maybe we don't need that much money, Yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, no. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm down with that. I mean, we we 
we talked last week about that mega Padres deal I want to make, but uh, <laughs> you know, and we'll eat some of it in order for them to take it. But yeah, that, I mean, that seems like the natural transition for a shortstop who's kind of lost a step is moving over there to third. You know, hey, send him to Baltimore. Get Baltimore wants Manny Machado to play shortstop. Maybe send him to Baltimore. Baltimore's going to lose Chris Davis, I assume, in free agency. Make JJ so maybe, Hardy a first baseman. Yeah, so maybe they're saying, "Hey, we need to come up with a bat." And Ramirez won't replace Chris Davis, but he kind of might if he plays every day. So maybe put him at third and Machado at short. I would love to see Machado at shortstop first off. Yeah, as good as he is, uh, I don't know. That would just add to the bevy of awesome shortstops in the American League. I mean, you look at it now, I mean, you got Correa, you got Xander, uh, Correa, Lindor, and yeah. now if Machado moves over there, I mean, as it is now, it's like that big three that we had in like the mid-90s of Nomar, obviously, first, and then a yeah. and Jeter. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like that that triumvirate once again. But, I mean, yeah, if Machado moves over there, too, it's a four spot. So that'll be interesting. I mean, I do love that kid. He rakes. No doubt about it. And his defense, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, his defense is sick. It's ridiculous. As a third baseman. So I wonder as a shortstop if it's going to hold up. I, I think it would. They've played him there a little bit, and I know they've talked about it. I was watching an Orioles game over the weekend, mm-hmm. the one one of the ones with the Yankees when the Yankees were trying to clinch home field, right. and they were talking about moving him to shortstop or have him play more at shortstop. Um, the other thing about this with a lot of third basemen, especially one as good as Manny Machado, teams shift so much that he's de facto playing quite a bit of short when he's the only damn guy on the left side of the infield. When you're 40 feet off the line, you're not a third baseman anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you're not playing that position anymore. So That's true. Did you see today in the shift uh, Poppy was on second and, they were sh- and he tried to steal third? Yeah. <laughs> It was so awesome. I love that guy. Uh, why not? Yeah. You know? I mean, he has got a zero in the stolen base column. <laughs> he wanted to make it a one. Why not? Jerry was all over him. Oh, yeah. It was so great. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. And he had his 37th double today. And 37 Poppy. homers this season, too. Boom. 37 homers as well. Man. His most uh, for the Sox since he hit a uh, club record 54 in 06. So it's, I'm glad we didn't trade him in June when you were running him out of town. That's that was good. Damn. Oh, you should have because you're selling high on a guy who's 51 and won't die. Yeah. That's, uh, that's were ready to sell him low. almost a 40-40 season for David Ortiz born December 1st, 1911. Wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. I wasn't aware of that. What is he, 42? How old is he? Uh, 43? No. He's, he's, I think he's about 40. He's older than 40. All right, look it up right now. Yeah, you look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. I anyway. swear to God he's 42. Anyways, but I'm glad we didn't uh, trade him. Now that he did get his 600 plate appearances, so with his contract, that will make his contract next year for 16 mil. For a one-year deal. I'll be damned. November 18, 1975, the dude is only, I mean, effectively 30. He'll be 40 next season. Boom. And the guy still mashes. <sighs> He's got three more years. I mean, how, Give him three years. How many How many guys <laughs> went 30 bombs, 100 RBIs this year? Uh, Nolan. Like eight? Not Bryce Harper. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez. Hoppe didn't get the RBIs. No, he got like 97. Ooh. That was the thing. that the, the Nationals offense was so dead. And RBIs don't tell the whole story. Yeah. But the Nationals offense was so awful without him, he was just driving himself in. So it's it's Arenado, I believe Carlos Gonzalez in the National League. I believe Paul Goldschmidt in Arizona. Uh, Josh Donaldson for sure. Jose Bautista? I don't know if he got 100 RBIs. He definitely got the homers. Uh, Chris Davis, did he get 100 RBIs? Because he definitely got the homers. Okay. There's probably, I mean, I, we're not going to go through Eight the whole to thing. 10? Yeah, probably. Maybe a dozen tops. Right. Yeah. 
So it's like this guy's going to be 40 next year, if, you know. I mean, if he still hits 25 at 90, isn't that worth 16 mil? It is. Nelson Cruz is another one. Down. I mean, but think, but listen to the names that we're talking about. Goldschmidt, Arenado, Cruz, Chris Davis. They all do different stuff. But, like, those are, you know, very generally speaking, 24 to 30-year-olds in their prime who mash, who are very good players. And a lot of them are or will very soon make $20 million. So No question. Yeah. But what we're going to do. Much like at the end of Tim Wakefield's career, where he we just re up the guy to a five million dollar deal, you know, every off season. Hey, you want to pitch another thing? Okay, here we go. One year, five million. One year, five million. Now we're going to do that with Poppy. It's going to be like one year, fifteen million. One year, fifteen million. We're going to bring him back. He's going to play till he's forty two. I mean, the guy is, you know, that'd be three more years. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's something to be said about familiarity. Dude's treated like a king in Boston. I mean, he'd be treated like a king anywhere. Dude's a legend. But Boston's really good to him. Uh, why would you leave? Yeah, I mean, and the guy's clutch, you know, uh, as we've seen in the past. And uh, obviously he's a guy that, uh, you know, has that sustainability the first two months of the season notwithstanding. But you see as he warms up, he's kind of that catalyst for that offense, you know, and how everybody kind of came along. It's just unfortunate. It happened, uh, you know, maybe about a month too late. I mean, we could have overcome from like, you know, five or six weeks of ugliness rather than ten. As it turns out, with the with the American League wild card finishing up the way that it did, hmm. if you had started three or four weeks before you really started, the Red Sox could have maybe been in the conversation. Yeah. Or or like the Twins were, like kind of on that outskirts, like, hey, you got a shot. You got a shot until almost the last day. Right. You know? Right. And they just never quite got to that 500 level. Are they are they last now? I didn't see the AL standings after today's games. They're in last place in the American League East. They are last place. What does that say about your division and your season that you're six games under and you're in last place? It's better than being 25 under and being last place. No question. It's a very competitive division, you know, and obviously the power is shifting a little bit. It's not, you know, the the Yanks and Sox all the time now. You know, you have the the Toronto looks like they definitely have a formidable hitting lineup, and if they can retain price somehow, it looks like they're going to be good for the next three to five years anyway with that squad they have together. And, you know, Tampa's just always in that mix because they just uh, scout pitching well and they always have a depth of young pitching. And, uh, you know, Kevin Cash is a first-year manager, did well down there. Yeah. So I think the AL East is coming around. I mean, I, I think they're going to be a tough division. The Orioles, I think the, there's all this talk about moving on from Showalter, but, I mean, I think that guy's done good there. But he he must have, like, Jim Harbaugh syndrome where he kind of wears out his welcome after three or four years. But the guy seems to me to get a lot out of – because I look at his roster and especially, like, their starting staff – and for them to have had the success they've had over the past three years, I mean, I wouldn't get rid of that guy. I mean, that's, they're a tough team to play. They play hard. But, uh, yeah. So what, how do we get on that tangent? We're talking about AL East, the standing and stuff. I think the oh, Orioles yeah. are going to lose a couple free agents, though, and they might be worse for the wear next year. I think they should let Davis go ahead. I think they should let Davis go, but they're also going to lose Wong Yong, the pitcher. The Korean pitcher uh, uh, started the season real poorly, and I was like, "Who is this guy? Forget it." Had a really nice season, and they're going to the lose Wang him. Wayman Chang, is yeah. that Wayman Chang? Wayman Chang, is that Chen? it? Yeah, I always think it's like Bruce Chen. I'm like, oh, sweet. that's right, it's I'll, Chen. I'll that's yeah. that's where I can be. Yeah. That you're right, okay, because yeah. he had a real nice year, and they're going to lose him. I think in free agency. Hmm. I was glad to see this week that the, the Red Sox finally put together a five game win streak. That, that, that was impressive. 
You know, or did they get to six with the, with the third win? And, uh, is that the longest winning streak oh, so of the, the year? Season, yeah, they hadn't had one longer than four, and then they busted out this week. So. That's the Rockies. Four was the longest. Ooh. What was the longest losing streak? Mm. Do you know off the top of your head? I don't. I don't. It couldn't have been that bad. No. It was probably like an eight or a niner. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> well, maybe a sevener. But they also had like a lost like 12 out of 14 in one stretch, yeah. which was like kind of a tough, tough stretch. Everybody does that, though. You do that once, you can stomach it. You do that more than once, or it gets past like that 12 of 14 stretch, you're in you're in deep shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the game in that uh, Yankee series that was just fantastic was that extra inning uh, one. Yeah. Which was fantastic because that, that was like – that was the one where you thought, okay, finally Conley's going to owe me a lunch. And then it just didn't happen. They came <laughs> back and they went in the top of the 11 with four runs. It was friggin' sick, you know? <laughs> and uh, two bombs in, uh, for Mookie in that one, who I just I just love this kid. He was 0 for Cleveland, 0 for 10 in Cleveland, unfortunately. Ooh. But they still hit a very highly respectable 292 for the year. What is this kid's going to be a 300 hitter. What is know? the Cleveland show? So it's always sunny in Philadelphia and then hot in Cleveland. That Cle- show's called Hot in Cleveland, but anyway, so he was cold in Cleveland? Wow. Yep. Wow. I'm sorry I brought that up. Sorry, people, that that uh, elicited <laughs> such a poor pun out of Bobby D. Right I there. thought that was pretty damn good. Whoop. Well, well, let's move along. Move along. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they finished in last place despite, uh, a, you know, decent 78-84 record. Uh, but last place, that's the third time in four years now they're in last place. Back-to-back last-place finishes for the first time for the Red Sox since 1930. So they went last-place World Series, last-place, last-place. Yes. Kind of weird. Now, the last-place is... Take are, it. The context as is... As long as we keep that every time, exa- every four years. <laughs> the context of the last-places is different, too. And Correct me if I'm wrong. 2012 and 2014 were miserable. Weren't they much worse last year? Yeah. Well, well yes. Yes, they were. They weren't six-under. 2012 is... A misery unto its own. Yeah. That was the Bobby Valentine year. And, and then that, 2013 and was great. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then 14's all You're going to have some type of letdown. But that 2013, you know, just caught lightning in a bottle, you know. And it wasn't like young guys. or It was just a, you know, it was almost like another band of idiots that was assembled together, you know. And the Napoli's and the Shane Victories of the world that really brought it together. And obviously the tragedy that happened in 013, you know, kind of rallied the city around that. But, yeah, so that was incredible. Uh, and then, but this, I don't want to say it reminded me of 2012, but in 2012, they, like, in the beginning of the year and in the middle, they were playing some great baseball. And then towards the end in that plummet they were playing some of the most horrible baseball I've ever seen and so this edition the 2015 version of the Red Sox was kind of similar in that fact in the fact that they were unbearable to watch there in June yeah, you know in May, in May and June and then it's like to see this young nucleus becoming unto itself here in the past you know two months fantastic fantastic oh boy yeah so um so they t- uh, took three out of four in the Bronx. That was nice, uh, you know, and then uh, dropped all these games in Cleveland. But uh, we won't dwell on those. Nope. I do want to say one thing and only – well, actually, excuse me, two things about the Cleveland series and only two things. Okay. Uh, excuse me. Let's do three. Let's do three. <laughs> I want to talk about the starting pitcher in every game. Rich Hill, real good. Uh, or he was in – excuse me, Rich Hill was the last Yankees game. Real good start again. Lose to CC Sabathia, it happens. Yeah. Uh, ends on a positive note, though. I think he threw real well. One thing about Rich Hill, while yeah. we're on Rich Hill. Do it. 
what I think is awesome because last time he was the Red Sox, he was kind of a little bit of a sign wind, and now he's coming a little more over the top, almost like three-quarter release. And so is that kind of a situation where – and Annie sometimes goes back to the side wind. So it's, like, it's almost like his arsenal has doubled now. Yeah. And, it, and that seems to be effective for him. And I think that's a guy who he caught lightning in a bottle in the starting rotation at the end of this year in what, five starts, four starts? Right. Um, that's not going to continue. Let's just be honest. It won't. You should bring him into camp next year. You should give him a shot to, to earn a rotation job. Right. He's not going to or he won't for the whole year. And if he does, he'll be shocked. Right. But if that's his arsenal with the success he's had this year in the reinvention, maybe he's one of those swing guys next year. Start a few games here and there. Somebody gets injured. Somebody skips a start. Get in the bullpen. Occasionally, you're going to face the one lefty. Occasionally, you're going to throw a long relief. You need a swingman. He's not like the number one key to winning a World Series. But look at these good teams. Look what they have aside from the good lineup and the good rotation. They've got these role players. The bullpen swingman is example number one. Mm-hmm. You need somebody to wear it the day that you are losing nine to nothing, so that you save everybody for the next four games. Right. You know, and and maybe that's a role for him next year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like uh, gone are the days where you're going to have five horses that pitch 200 innings. You know, and you know we've talked a little bit about you know are these guys. If Brian Johnson comes back from injury and he's in the mix for starter position next year, and it's like are these guys the um, the Henry Owens is the Eduardo Rodriguez is and Brian Johnson. You know, are these guys going to be on a pitch count? And if so, even like a Joe Kelly, he's a guy that's you know he's twenty seven and stuff, but he's never thrown two hundred innings in the majors. So he's maybe he's on a one seventy pitch count next year. Who knows? You know. But you have all these guys that are, and I would hate to see it be a case where you know they're mowing along real good, and there's a Javi situation where Javi has to stand up and say, "Listen, screw yeah. the pitch count, and I'm going to pitch." But, you know, so if we started that season with that a six-man rotation, I kind of like that idea, you know, and just, like, get it out there, see who's going, and then move ahead. Once you get into the leaner part of the schedule, you're playing five or six days a week instead of seven, you know, then maybe you can scale it back to five with the guys that are doing good and skip a start or what have you. But it'd be nice for them to gradually monitor those guys' innings throughout the year as opposed to it being an absolute shutdown at the end. I, I hate that. Or, or you know, and this is – a little out there and it'd be tough to schedule it you'd have to go on feel but take a five man leave hill out of it or somebody leave kelly out of it whoever it is and put them in the bullpen as the long man this this swing guy Mm -hmm. and then every couple weeks give them a start keep them extended give everybody one bump day you know and say hey we think that everybody's dragging a little bit or we need the so-and-so needs an extra day we're gonna start joe kelly on tuesday and everybody gets pushed back a day Mm -hmm. then joe kelly goes back to the bullpen for two weeks then he goes and starts again it's you're doing you're essentially bringing somebody up from the minors without making the roster move yeah you know and if you can't swing the six-man rotation because you want the extra bullpen guy do that and then occasionally you have that bullpen guy you can start games yeah i don't know I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, how often do you really use that swing guy? Like, uh, you know, you really use him in a blowout when you need a long relief guy. So it's like, I'm not sure that that can really work out where that guy stays lengthened out enough where he can give you a start every two weeks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. So, uh, but whereas if he's part of the mix on like a six man, you know, he is staying lengthened out as it goes. They're just kind of, and these young kids, you know, they shouldn't have really be in a routine yet. It's like, hey, you guys don't have your routine yet. You become a 200-inning pitching horse, then you have your routine. Yeah. And you're, then we're allowed to accommodate accommodate your routine. But um, but I see a lot of guys, 
you know, with great second halves here uh, that have shown me a lot, you know, in the pitching staff coming back here in the, the next season. And Dabrowski's going to bring in some more arms. There's no doubt about that. So, But a uh, very melancholy, sad farewell today to Don Orsillo. Uh, who is the man who voiced the Red Sox for the past 15 years. See you in San Diego, brother. See you in San Diego, and I love that. So yep. I just wanted to, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a uh, Bill of the Cap High salute to Don Osillo and wish uh, you the best, and I hope you have a Enbergian run down in uh, San Diego because uh, they just got a great play-by-play guy. I think about uh, broadcasters way more than I should. Um Take a minute on this, and then I think we got to start wrapping. Yeah. But uh, you think they weigh more than you should? Oh, I, th- I think about broadcasters Don- way more than anybody else. Oh, I know. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I thought you were calling Dono Silva fat. No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, San Diego with with Dick Enberg, who is incomparable. Only you know, except for Vin Scully. Him and Scully are legends. Uh, you got Dick Enberg, and he's going to do I think home games. Going to kind of do what Scully does and transition out. And next year's Enberg's last year, and he's not going to do 162. But you've got him. You got Mark Grant is their primary play-by-play guy, and Mark Sweeney is their secondary play-by-play guy. Both obviously former players. Grant and Sweeney are kind of funny, working class. I don't know how you want to describe it. They're they're not like Hawk Harrelson, but they're a little rough around the edges, a little goofy, a little player-like, you know. And they give great insight on the player thing, but they're not smooth. Sounds a little Remy-esque. Exactly, they're exactly like Remy, and they work very well with Enberg because Enberg is the consummate Bro. smooth. Oh. And so if Mark Grant, and I don't know if you've ever heard a Padres broadcast, you should listen to one next year if you haven't, because Grant and Enberg are phenomenal. But if Mark Grant were with a less strong play-by-play guy, Grant is going to stand out as a doofus. And you say, I hate this guy, he doesn't fit, he's joking around. But when you have a serious pro like Enberg, they complement each other perfectly. Orsillo is that smooth, serious, uber-polished pro. And Orsillo alone, you're like, this dude's vanilla, he's too dry. Grant and Sweeney alone, you're like, these dudes are goofy, they're weird. Mm. The mix of the two of them, I think Orsillo steps right into Enberg's shoes, and the Padres still have one of the best broadcasts in baseball. Oh, yeah. It's all yeah. about the right mix. Does, does does it matter wins and losses? No, obviously not. But if you're going to watch 162 games, you got to enjoy who you're listening to. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, I have list, enjoyed listening to uh, Donnie O for the yeah. past 15, no doubt. And, and we've, we hear a lot of bad baseball broadcasts, a ton of bad baseball. Bro- There's a ton of bad teams, a ton of good teams. The Mets do a great job. The A's do a great job. The Padres do a great job uh the the padres will get i don't think you can beat enberg but they'll be right there with uh don Arcello. that's absolutely. a good hire absolutely absolutely it's a great hire we wish you the best donnie uh so next week guys we're gonna sign off with a little like uh wrap up the red Sox season with a little tie-up show and obviously because we are rudderless discussions we uh will probably go into you know some other things too but uh for Bobby Demuro, I'm Mike Conley. Thanks for hanging out with us on Red Sox Wrap 360. And hey, before we leave, really, really quick. Uh, Dodgers Wrap. The Dodgers are in the playoffs. We're doing Dodgers Wrap right after this. So if you're watching this live, watch the Dodgers. If you want to talk more baseball with us, watch the Dodgers Wrap throughout the playoffs. Even if you don't know the Dodgers, if you don't know the National League, you're going to be watching the postseason games. So watch the Dodgers. Pay a little more attention. Watch with us. Hang with us on the Dodgers show next Do week. Do Yeah. Keep your eyes out for Pat's Wrap 360. And we'll be back. What is it? Next, uh, next Sunday, usual time, 5 p.m. Pacific, for the season wrap for these Red Sox. There you go. Perfect. Well put. All right, brother. Here, Sox. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. 
To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz See you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.